What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. It is Dog Talk with your host, Holden, and I've got I've got Hunter here. We're here on another off-season episode talking about the dogs. Uh, we did this last year around the same time, kind of not really preseason yet. It's still off-season, but it's talking season, as everybody calls it. And, uh, and we're back here. We're going to do some more of that as we get kind of geared up coming into the 2023 season. So, Hunter, it's awesome to have you back. Thank you for having me back. I love doing this. It is it is a lot of fun. We're doing things differently because we've got I've I finally upgraded a bunch of most definitely sound and everything to make it more comfortable, but also it makes it a lot easier on me on the back end. So, but I'm glad to have you here. We're going to talk about a fun a bunch of fun different things. Can't wait. Um, some of the stuff that's being talked about now. We're going to do it again though because I think I like we were talking about earlier. I sent you two different rounds of this and we'll save some of the i guess more preseason talk for next month where we where we really are we're only like a month from really getting into the season because i think so much can change i mean there's certain guys who have left we've got a bunch of recruits that they're talking about which i don't talk a lot about recruiting but guys who are leaving and i hate to say it but it's going to happen guys who are going to get hurt in the summer yep and will not be as big of a factor as we come into the fall. We can talk about at that time some of those guys that are hurt and what that's going to impact. But if we talk about them now and how big of an impact Carson Beck can have, and then all of a sudden he's like, torn oblique, Ooh. won't be in for yeah. six weeks. Yeah. You know, then all this, it, I know, but <laughs> then all of a sudden we're talking about something completely different. Now True. we've, now we've got yeah. to talk slightly different. But, but we're going to run through a few things. We're going to start with some of uh, – some of the scheduling talk that that really was going around more a couple of weeks ago when the schedules come out came out. I don't really have like all of the SECs, and I don't really care too because we're focusing on Georgia. Yep. So we're going to talk some about that. The end of a bunch of eras that is coming up as well, and then we're going to end it with something fun talking about our top five Georgia quarterbacks, which are going to differ because we kind of just come from. Different. Just say what you want to say. Different You're eras. Younger, you've you've got quite a bit. You've got a year or two on me. By the way, happy birthday! Th- thank you very much. I'll, I'll, I'll say it's my that. birthday gift, right? Th- that's right. You get to you get to do a show uh, for your birthday, and I, I don't know if that's uh, I don't know if that counts good enough as being <laughs> being mm-hmm. one. So I um, love it. I really do enjoy it. I do too, and I appreciate you letting some of your buddies know. You can shout them out if you want to that are that are listening now that you've told. Hey. We're on a podcast. You guys go and listen to it. I would, but I think some of them are lying to me. Oh, well, that's true. All of a sudden you call, you say, hey, man, did you listen to this? And they're like, they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. It's like, dude, you you should have heard me in there. So anyways, well, let's start, let's start off talking about the SEC scheduling that is now changing. Obviously next year, Oklahoma and Texas both come to the SEC something that we've known about what seems like for like six years now. They've been like, yeah, they're coming. And it's finally to that point where it happens next season. Everybody thought that it was going to happen earlier. We've all been speculating. Are they going to block it into pods where we have four different pods of guys playing? How is this going to work? Are these main rivalry games, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, Auburn, some of these big rivalries that happen, are they still going to be intact if we do this? And now that some of that scheduling has come out, we see that some of it is still in place, but there is the possibility that a lot of that goes away 
everybody's griping about, and this is one I really want to dive into, everybody's griping about the SEC not playing a nine-game in-conference schedule, only playing eight, because next year the plan is to go to eight, and there will be no division. So East and West come to an end. There's mm-hmm. the first end of an era that we'll, st- we'll talk about. But it's only an eight-game. People fuss about it because the SEC is one of the only conferences that doesn't do that. But there has also only been one. I don't know that there's been a single national champion, especially in the college football playoff era, that has won a national championship as a nine-team conference play-in. Ohio State, that won it in 14, only played eight in-conference games. And the reason I have such an argument to why should we swap to nine is partially that. But the SEC eats itself alive anyways. To me, adding another game playing in the SEC, again, it's going to change because of the format of the college football playoff. But it takes more out of your players because people will tell you from other conferences and in-conference when you play a team from the SEC, it is different than playing somebody from the Pac-12 or playing like a, a – not necessarily great right now, but like a Miami out of the ACC. It's just different. So I know I kind of threw a lot out right there, but how do you kind of feel about not necessarily the eight game, but some of the scheduling changes that are about to happen as well? Well, I don't – to be honest with you, I don't – I'm not able to keep up with all of it. It gets a little confusing. Yeah. Um, with the eight game, the argument that I heard in particular Kirby talking about is you being able to play game. What is it? Every four years, you'd at least play one away game at every SEC venue. So Georgia playing Texas A&M, which I don't think they ever have. It's been a really long time. But I, I can see as a college athlete, that would be fun to say, hey, oh, yeah, I played in Death Valley on a Saturday night. Oh, yeah, that's it, playing playing in College Station because, you know, correct, A&M correct. came to us a couple of years ago, but we okay. haven't gone to College Station. Things like that. Since yeah, I think that, that would be um, – I like that. I think that would be exciting. Yes, do you have a, a higher chance of losing those games? Home field advantages matter? Of course. But that will – that makes you a better team. Yeah. Now, you said something about, and I agree with you, about the SEC kind of eats itself. The national media, you know, I mean, my gosh, those Big Ten guys, they don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that, and I get it. Oh, they, yeah. don't, they don't because – If you're not in it, you don't want to hear that. Because then you get – people go, well, what about Vanderbilt? What about Missouri? I don't know. There's, you know, I mean, I hate because I, 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 the sentimental team to me is Mississippi State because I still think about Mike oh, Leach. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there are teams that have elevated their play over the last couple of years, but sometimes in in bowl games, you know, the tax dot com bowl, you take a Kentucky that maybe gave us. Georgia a, a run for their money in a decent game and they play somebody I don't want to you know that's kind of a second tier team or a second tier conference and they lose or it's a tight game and people are like oh see the SEC y'all not all, all that that's the one bad thing it lends itself to SEC matchups head to head 
there's a lot going on. It's a lot of pride. I want us to be able to show that in those other games. Yeah, and especially with divisions being a thing when you had that East versus West game. And it didn't happen often, but when you had, you know, a Georgia playing in Alabama, which is going to happen next year. That's coming. We're, we're headed to Tuscaloosa to play. But when you have some of those matchups that happen, those cross-division games mean even more because of just how much so so often some of these West teams, you know, they, they say, hey, we are the more d- dominant division in the SEC, you know, and, and a lot of that is all credit to Alabama and what they've done over the last decade. But – you're right. Some of those games where we're playing out-of-state opponents, and I'm not talking about a, a, a UT Martin. I'm not talking about – I'm talking about like a true blue Clemson coming out of the ACC to play Georgia. Those big games, some of those matter. But like you said, in a bowl game, it's not as much. And we eat ourselves so much alive that when I'm looking forward, right now it, it's very tough as even a four-game playoff – Forget the BCS when it was only two teams that were making it. That's when the SEC really ate each other alive. And even then, you had the LSU and the Alabama that would end up playing each other. And they're from the same division and not playing in the SEC championship game and how that lends itself to all of a sudden, hey, it's like if I lose this game, I'm better off because I'm not going to have to play in an SEC championship game. I'm not going to have to play one more game. That's going to give me a few more weeks to prepare for what's coming, and I'll get in the playoffs even without doing that. And so there, there's a lot to be said for that. And then, again, it just – I hate the argument of y'all should have to play nine games. Four-game format, it's still pretty tough to get in. When it moves to 12, which is going to move next year, to me, then it is the back end of it. It is taking the middle of the pack a LSU that's sitting second, or in this case, the Alabama that's sitting in second – or Florida that's sitting in second last year, Tennessee that's right there. They're on the cusp sitting in like 7-8 spot. They're getting in, but all of a sudden if they're having to play a Tennessee, Kentucky at the end of the season or close to it, you know, week 11, say for for instance, and all of a sudden Kentucky gets the better of Tennessee, well, they're beating each other up, whereas if they had a UT Martin right there, it's a boost me game, you're moving up. And I'm not saying that we should have to play these small cupcake games but some of the in-division and in-conference rivalries that happen, it, just like we talked about, it just means so much more to where you, you want to be. I, I want to beat everybody that's in the East. I don't care if Vanderbilt hadn't beat us since 2016. I want to beat them all, everybody in the West, at the same, th- same time. We go and we play US, USC, for example, if we were to play them. Does that game matter? Absolutely. But it still, to me, doesn't have the same passion of playing an SEC team because you're fighting for a conference. If you lose to to, to USC, and I'm not talking about uh, South Carolina, I'm talking about West Coast side. If you lose to them in a regular season, eight, you know, whatever the season is, doesn't matter, just the format that it is now. If you were to lose to USC, does it stink? Yes, it's a loss on your resume. But can you still get to the SEC championship game? Yes, because that loss doesn't count against you in conference play. The divisions are going to completely separate. What they do from there, I know they're talking one and two are the two teams that are going to play for the championship. But my personal opinion is I don't think eight or nine games, I don't think we should have to add another SEC game. Kind of to your point, too, 
if you're adding another game, that's just further down the line that you have that opportunity to go play at another place, to go play in Death Valley, to go play uh, in College Station, Tuscaloosa. Other teams having to come to Athens and play too. You add another game, and that just spreads it out even further. And the home field advantage, I know Kirby has that conversation, especially when it comes to like recruiting. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. You know, there's a, there's so many ways that you can look at it and divide it up, but here here here's what it boils down to: is the SEC is the best conference there is. Period. End of discussion. Okay. Secondly, we didn't get there by accident. We've gotten there by good leadership, currently and prior. Mm-hmm. Does that mean everything's perfect? No. But the SEC is always kind of a trend setter. They're the ones that make changes. Divisions, even though we're getting rid of them, SEC was the one that created those. Others followed suit. I do like the fact that we are, I guess, getting essentially getting rid of the divisions so you do have the best two teams playing for a conference title. That does make sense. That, to me, is probably of all of the argument about eight or nine games, the biggest and best part of that is that, to me, because having that cross-division, those cross-division games and, and such, just like last year, LSU and Georgia were the top two teams in the country. Just so happens they're side-by-side, east versus west. Right. But there are far too often a time where – and Alabama and an LSU, they're the best two teams. Or a Georgia and a Florida, not in the 2020 season because Alabama was what they were. But there are rare occasions where it does happen. The top two teams are from the same side of the country. And there is a possibility, we'll talk about this coming up like next month, there's the possibility to me, in my opinion, that that could happen this year alone where Georgia and Tennessee are the top two teams in the SEC. Right. Now, I still think LSU is going to be really good. I still think Alabama is still going to be a good football team. But I don't think Tennessee drops off as much as people think that they will. And you won't you won't be able to see that this year. The Tennessee-Georgia game will matter and will make up who wins the East this year, just as it has in the past really couple of years, with exception to that year of Florida. You know, again, 2020, the Kyle years is, is what I would say. Oh, yeah. But I do, yeah. I do like that. I do think that that's going to be something that's neat because we can't forget, again – Texas and Oklahoma joining that does create new rivalries. It does create just more nuance as far as playing more teams that are now in your pool, not just out of your pool that you're having to pull from other conferences and play. It's two teams that are now in your conference and it matters when you play them. Yeah. Well, all, all of that makes sense. I kind of go back to what I started with is I really haven't just. Yeah thought a whole lot about it. I don't have a strong opinion either way. I I just, whatever the commissioner and the SEC as a body comes up with, okay, that's fine. And I like what Kirby has said, and I'm sure there's other coaches. I think it would be great that you do that home and away. You know, going to that, I know that Jacksonville is such a big deal with Georgia, Florida, and I know I've said on a previous show when I I went to the Georgia Florida game in '96 in Athens and we got just, uh. <laughs> but 
that would be fun to be able to play in the swamp yeah and them have to come to athens i really do i i i I know that there's a ton of tradition and a ton of history and i i i am i love that stuff i really do uh i hold it in high reverence 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 excuse me but uh i never thought about the losing a recruiting weekend oh, yeah. until Kirby mentioned oh, yeah. it. Change the game in recruiting. It makes it makes a lot of sense. And so I thought, well, that's a pretty strong that's a compelling argument to do a home and away with Florida. So anyway. Especially when you look at just so it just so happens the way that the schedule fell in the twenty twenty two season. You know, Georgia had their home games were not Tennessee was the most exciting home game Georgia had the entire season. Right. And, you know, you go to South Carolina, you go and you have to play in Jacksonville against Florida. Your your other home games are, you know, UT Martin, UAB, stuff like that, where it's like these aren't compelling games. And Tennessee is a huge recruiting weekend, especially considering what Georgia has done to Tennessee over the past couple of years, especially with Tennessee this past year coming in as the number one team in the country where Georgia had just held that reign and then it's taken from them. And then you get the team that took that one spot and they're coming to your house and you get to protect it to have that kind of a recruiting weekend is huge, especially like say in Kirby's eyes. Um, so it kind of takes away from it in that sense. And I, I, I know they're doing renovations to that stadium maybe right. next year. And I don't know if that means I, I, I've, I have not read into this either thinking about it. I don't know if that means that, we're going to go to the swamp and play, or they're going to come to Athens and play that year that it happens, or they do renovations. I don't think they can do renovations quick enough to where it I, doesn't affect good, the season, that, you know? That's a good question. It seems like I actually saw, it's been a little while ago, a um, drawings of what they're proposing yeah, to do it. at Jacksonville. It's like, wow. And it didn't seem like there was going to be an issue of interfering with the game. And I think it would it would obviously affect the Jaguars. That's a lot of work. That's that's what I thought because I was like, to me, <laughs> but okay, I don't remember anything about moving the venue. Yeah, how, how do you essentially from February, if the Jaguars are out, how do you from February to September? When do they start preseason NFL? August? I don't know. Somewhere around. I don't, I don't either. I don't keep up <laughs> nearly as much. But how do you how do you do that big of a transformation in that amount of time? I mean, we're talking. I'm not going to say it couldn't be done, but Georgia is just doing one side of their stadium renovations, and they started it as soon as the season ended last year in hopes to be ready by the start of this season. Yeah, I th- I think what it would be is that it would it, it would affect the Jaguars completely and totally. That's the way. Again, yeah. The, it was a little, all about a little now. Yeah, so there, there would have to be an adjustment because that's why they played in Athens all those years ago. Yeah. Renovations of the stadium back then. That was almost 20 years ago. Yeah, and I, I'm the same way as you because I think, is it fun playing in Jacksonville? Sure, having that neutral site. It's fun for the big party that is. And that, I mean, right. that's what it is. Everybody's excited for the party. It is called the largest outdoor cocktail party for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that is what it's treated as. And yeah. it is a bitter rivalry, but I do think it would be fun for us to have to go prove ourselves at the swamp. 
Yes. And as well as them have to come to our house and prove yes. themselves as well. Plus, quite honestly, as as a fan, as you reference of being more mature, <laughs> having a few more rings around the tree, um, it would be nice to at least, I'm not going to sit here and say Georgia would win, but we uh, certainly could play better and have a better outcome than the last time they came to Athens. Yeah. Cause that's, that's there. That's in the record book. It's uh, anybody who is still alive today that was in that stadium, Georgia fan or Florida fan, that game made an impression. Yeah. It, similarly, the last time that Alabama came to Athens, that was not, that was not a fun game no, to watch. Wasn't. And for, I mean, I, at the time I'm living in Alabama, growing up in Alabama and, Georgia is trying to black out Alabama, and this may not have been the last time I was they say, came. That wasn't the last time they came. But when they did that, and Alabama stomped, yes, stomped us in the ground, and all of my friends who are Alabama fans, they're hollering, "Oh, we turned the Alabama power on over there in Georgia," and I'm like, "Dude, come well, on!" Well, by the way, I was at that game, yeah, brutal, and it was rough. But the but the last time they played in Athens, it was a day game, and it was rainy. I remember that. It wasn't long before. Kirby left, came to us. I don't know. I'm, you know, I don't remember years. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. It's hard. It's hard to. But uh, to me, it's kind of like when you're looking back like that. It's kind of like if we go out here and play basketball right now, and it's like, all right, last shot, and you miss. It's like, all right, I'm not ending on that. Correct. You know, I want. Yeah. Let me take another shot. Let me. Let me. Nothing but net. Put it through. Okay, that's a good way to end on it. And us as Georgia fans, of course, that's how we want to end. I'm sure. If Florida fans, they're like, no, we don't want to go to Athens. Look how we ended it there. That's we, right. We nothing but net, whereas <laughs> Georgia fans, we're like, no, we bricked. We need, a, we need one last oh, shot. Gosh. And uh, I do think that would be something kind of fun. So let's kind of wrap up some yep. of the, the okay, schedule good. and talk here. Here are the opponents. And tell me what kind of – Have you? Hey, I'm sure you've probably already seen this, who we're going to be playing in the 2024 season as far as SEC goes. Okay, uh, go ahead. I, now, now out of conference, we already know we have Clemson again, which right. is awesome. It's, it's, it's fun. It's, that, awesome. it's fun yeah. that we're going to get to play. We know we get to play them again in an out of conference game. Again, strength of schedule, everything about that just makes that better. But you have Auburn, which I'm glad to see. It yes. is it is the longest rivalry in South the SEC. Rivalry, yeah. Um, you got Tennessee, good. Got Kentucky. Okay, this is where it's crazy. Because if you think about this past year, how hard it was to play at Missouri, which shouldn't have been, especially considering how their season ended. But we don't have Missouri for the first time. We don't have Vanderbilt, which they're going, thank God. But then I looked at their schedule and they're going, never mind, because they got some pretty tough games. The thing about it to me is with with Vanderbilt, and I'm going to hit this quickly and move off. Vanderbilt will always have the hardest schedule because they are the worst team in the SEC. Right. And when you're the worst team in a conference, every game that you play is difficult because you're not good. Now, I loved them beating Florida last year <laughs> as a Georgia fan, which I think all of us do. You know, the, uh, I, did, I didn't even remember that. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 the only reason I did – well, I say the only reason – one of the reasons I did is, you, you know, you're scrolling through the Grammy Gram, and I see, uh, I see, the most controlled field storming 
is Vanderbilt fans walking, not jumping, not jumping out, not running, walking a single file line down the stadium onto the field as a field storming. I wouldn't even call it a field storming. I'd, I'd, I'd call it like a, a slow takeover. Yeah, yeah, slight takeover. And they still get fined the same amount that Tennessee gets fined when they beat Alabama and threw the goal push in the river, which is hilarious. But all right, so now. Again, no conference or no no divisions inside yep. the conference, but the teams that we would play outside of what would have been the East, what would have been the West, you draw Mississippi State, which mm-hmm. is fun. You get them in Athens. You draw at Ole Miss. I think which, that's, I think that's going to be so much fun. Which we have this year. They're in Athens this year, which is good. So we yeah. technically get that back to back in a year where they have to come to us. Now these aren't set in stone. I understand because my understanding is these are these are rotating yeah. and only certain games which I again I hope the Georgia to me you got to keep Georgia Georgia Tech cuz that is the rivalry but to me in conference Georgia Auburn is one I never want to see go away it's the deep south's oldest rivalry but I still just think that's such a good matchup every year because there are years where they're good and it's hard to beat them there are years where they're not good, and sometimes it's hard to beat them. And by the way, on years that they might not be very good, um, and you have to play at Jordan Hare, it's not easy. It is not easy. I yeah. mean, you got to. That's the thing to me about playing Florida in the swamp. Correct. Florida doesn't have to be good. That's a hard place to win. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of Cajuns. Doesn't matter what time it is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, think about Tennessee and LSU playing. Now, that's a 12 o'clock kick, and Tennessee thumped LSU last year. Right. Which is wild to think about, but again, I'm like, okay. Do that at 8 o'clock Let's at dial night. that clock back a few hours, and yeah. let's play that at night in yeah. Death Valley, especially the way that LSU was playing by the end of the season, obviously, right. to get to the SEC. So, some of the other ones, we got to go to Ole Miss, which we talked about, but we're also going to Tuscaloosa, playing right. at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And then the final one, which a lot of people are kind of – fussing about we're, we still haven't made it to college station but we're headed to austin to play texas <laughs> i you know uh, that's i think that's great yeah i mean uh, we have a it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna feel a lot of this stuff is gonna feel like an optical illusion yeah early in the season going wait a minute why, why are we there you know i real quickly it doesn't bother me that missouri is off the um schedule not because they gave us such a fit last year and in the past you know watching us lose i i can't get up from missouri games i don't know what it is it's just well i got married almost it's, it's eight years ago this year the the day we played missouri in the field goal game and i call it that because it ended nine to six right and i remember thinking it's like first of all never get married in the fall correct because it's football season We've talked about this. And I have gone to like four weddings in the fall when it's football season. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Now, I love my wife and glad to be married to her. I would have probably <laughs> pulled it up a few months, you know. Let's let's do this thing July when it's a little warm. Maybe maybe August to push it as far as I would. Uh, but having to – and I, the, the weird thing is when it came to my wedding, I didn't really think about it. I was like, it's no big deal. It's 2015. Georgia's still not having the greatest year. Kirby Smart's about to come to Georgia and change everything, right? But then to look at the score after the wedding and go, what? It was like, what's going on similarly like last year when we played Florida? 
I was at a wedding. Right. And we're all looking at our phones, and we have to put it down for the ceremony. But then afterwards, it was right after the ceremony had ended. That's when Georgia all of a sudden Boom. scored like 17 Boom. points. And it was like, what What happened? It's been three minutes, and Georgia scored 17 points. Well, we've talked about it, but for anybody that's new, you know, that's the one – difference is my wife and I got married, you know, in the fall as well, November. And when we were looking at dates, I mean, she and her college friends, that was their deal. You don't get married. If you get married in the fall, you do not get married on a Georgia football weekend. It has to be an off week. Yeah. And they all have done that. Granted, it's still a, a college football weekend, but you're not going to miss a Georgia game. Uh, and her, even her dad... <laughs> was like, that's the most ridiculous thing that your friends, and she's like, no, that's, that that has kept people who were bridesmaids or their spouses who had to be best men or whatever. It just, it kept from these huge arguments. You only have so many fall, nice fall oh, weekends. Yeah. By the way, who wants to spend it in a suit anyway to begin with at a wedding? Everybody Nobody, wants to nobody's be. jumping up and down to go to a no. wedding. That's why ours, we try to make it a casual, no coat and tie, good food, low country boil. As we were telling our Don't, coworker, donuts. the groom's cake was a stack of Krispy Kremes. It was awesome. <laughs> like, seriously, though. The it, only thing I would have, if I could have pulled it off, is have the varsity uh, cater yeah. it i mean could you imagine pulling out here because we had it in the you know this big open area with a band chili dogs and onion rings oh, fresh man. from the varsity think about all the heartburn the only- and all of the all of the medicine like we would have found in the trash can that night or the it, next morning that would have been on a table probably alka-seltzer and you know tomes and stuff <laughs> this, this this is, is the parting gift this is the parting gift as 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 the wedding party leaves uh, make sure you take an Alka-Seltzer yeah. home with you because <laughs> you're right. going to need it. So we've we've digressed, but yes. Yeah. We, but so yeah. so that it also shows how insane we are about, uh, you know, SEC football. It I mean, means more. It we just we love it. Yeah, I don't think that there's anybody up in Ohio that's saying, "Oh, you you can't get married in September. You can't get married in October." Well, I'm sure there's I, some. I'll, I will give I'll give them credit. They are they are a fanatical rabid. Okay, maybe base. I shouldn't have said Ohio State, but let's let's go like well, Nebraska used to be Those, that way. That's too. all. That's all. They Nevada, do. they don't care. You can get married whenever. Now you want. listen, if Colorado, you're in Southern Cal, Southern Cal, they're probably like, whatever, man. Yeah. Hey, man. Get married in the parking lot. Yeah. Cool with that. I got the dude to hey. officiate my wedding. Hey. <laughs> Meet me at uh, B3 row 11 over there, parking spot 76. We'll do this thing. Um, but it is, back to the actual conversation here, it's wild how different this year scheduling is going to be in comparison to next year. Because yes. this this season is is we have the easiest schedule I think Georgia has, has ever had in the college football playoff era. And it just so happens to come off of back-to-back national champions. And uh, – then next year we I mean we turn it up from like we're going from a two this year to like an eight next year on well, the difficulty and that's scale. good that's good because the narrative of talking about other team schedules it it's kind of a, a moot point because so many of these schedules are are planned so far in advance us playing Oregon 
Clemson. That didn't just happen. Hey, guys, y'all want to play next year? Yeah. It it doesn't happen that quickly. You can't help it if a team who you think is going to be pretty good is all of a sudden tanks. Just as some of these teams who uh, thought, hey, you know, Georgia's okay, and we'll schedule a game out five years from now. Obviously, they know that you know anybody can do whatever in a given year, and and oh, here comes kid yeah. from South Georgia, and he boy does he. You know, I mean, and by the way, I actually had thought about this last night when we started the podcast. The person that I want to thank is I want to thank Kirby Smart. Oh, yeah. And all of the administration and the staff in, in Athens. And by the way, Greg McGarity, that was a pretty unpopular move to to move on from Rick. Oh, Yeah. We all loved him, but we all, I mean, people that even all of us that loved him were like, yeah, it, it might be time for a change. And then there were some that were flabbergasted, angry, boycott, mad. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It, I mean, really and truly, thank you. You, th- you think about when we first started with Kirby. First of all, that first season, you go eight and five with him. There's a lot of people that are saying, what's the difference in this and having. Mark Rick, that's, 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 you're right. I just have to say that's so dumb. Exactly. It's so short sighted because you can find whatever evidence you want to make your argument. People can go, see, he's not any better than Rick. It's his first year, and and, and with the exception of Bob Stoops when he went to Oklahoma, it, it, there's always a transition. It usually takes a couple of years, especially. I, I don't think anybody knew the prowess that Kirby would have in the recruiting trail at all until like year three under Kirby. Because after 2017, we talk about lightning in the bottle sometimes. 2017 was that, but it was also a carryover of some of Mark Rick's players that he had on the team already. And Kirby helped to kind of sh- slowly start to shift, not necessarily the culture, but the mindset within the program itself. All right. I want to go back to your comment. You said something people didn't know about Kirby's prowess in recruiting. Explain that to me because you're not talking about his ability as a recruiter because that's been well known of how great a recruiter he is. And that's why he was always coming down here and getting these kids. Yeah. And they went to Tuscaloosa and they weren't going to Athens. That's what I think. I think so many people thought that he was only doing that because he was at Alabama. I don't think they had I don't think they thought that he could continue to recruit in that capacity. Really? Wow. Okay. I see. would I would think the same like mindset um, in your in your mindset. I can understand that as far as how do you not think that if he's recruiting that gate great at Alabama? And I think it's cuz so many people had a mindset of Georgia can't beat Alabama. Alabama gets everybody because Alabama is the top best. It gets no better. He comes to Georgia. Will he get a few guys? Yeah. But he's not going to get what he could at Alabama because it's Alabama. And I, that name I, carried so much weight. I, I, and then he turned around and he has done it at Georgia. I, I agree. I, I actually would love to to hear that from somebody because I, I haven't. I've never even thought that. I've got a couple friends, which they're Alabama fans. Well, I mean. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that's, uh, you know, I, I that's the bad part for me. I'd, is I'd I, rather have a conversation with a four-year-old about taxes or something in depth and have a football conversation with an Alabama fan. Cause I mean, they're, they're lunatics and, and I've, I've got a five year old that you could talk to at any point about taxes. Uh, you, you'd, you'd have a much more yeah. in depth 
um, engaging conversation with a four and five year old yeah. about anything and everything under the sun than an Alabama fan about football, especially yeah. they've got they're they're been out of shape because Kirby left. Yeah. And I will say this: this is you know I don't I don't know that we've talked about it too far in depth, but the conversation needs to be had, and I've heard some talking heads talk about this. Kirby left Alabama, and Alabama has not been the same since he left. And we're not taking credit for what Alabama's done over the last decade at all. But I am going to take a little bit of credit of what Kirby is doing now at Georgia and seeing Alabama has not found that replacement for him in the sense of you don't have to find another Kirby, but you got to find somebody that makes that defense what it is again. Now, they had it a couple of years ago. That 2020 season was a good football team, both sides of the ball. But sometimes, like 2017 for Georgia, lightning the bottle, you get the right players, get the right people in there because you fast forward one year after that and two years, and all of a sudden both coordinators are gone because it was not sustainable. Right. And that's a thing that Kirby has done over the past couple of years, not only recruiting but also in coaching and coaching turnover, which we're going to get the big question this year is can Bobo do it? He's getting a chance at it, I guess, again. Can he not necessarily right what he wrong because I don't think he necessarily did wrong under Rick as much as can he continue to evolve? We've got a team that in 2017 was very run heavy, and by the time uh, – not Todd. Why am I blanking on our – Chaney, Jim Chaney? No, 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 our coordinator last year, Todd uh, – Munkin. Munkin, thank you. I mean the shift of offense and how – still running the ball, still run heavy – but we can throw the ball. Correct. We can air it out, which is what I think for years we have been looking to finally do. He's gone, and we all know Bobo is a third and five. Let's put the rock on the ground and get the first down. Right. Let's grind it out. Can he have the flexibility and open his arms to allowing a quarterback to throw the ball down the field as well I instead do. of be a run-first guy? Well, he also coached Aaron Murray. and One of the best quarterbacks. We're yeah. going to talk about it coming yeah. up. One of the best quarterbacks in – in well, my opinion, in Georgia's history. Well, in in the effort to keep things things moving, we we'll, we don't need to talk about what Alabama fans think and exactly. say. Exactly. That's uh, we spent a couple of minutes on it, but we'll, we'll talk tax law with a four year old instead. Exactly. I'll, I'll call him and we'll meet him in a minute. But so <laughs> coming off of the scheduling talk that took all of forty seven minutes, what it felt like. Eight SEC games next year. No divisions. Top two teams will win. We're going to see what happens in 2025. The 2023 season coming up for Georgia is an easy schedule. 2024 season, again, we're turning it up a notch. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot tougher, but it's going to be fun. We have great opponents. We have tough scheduling. We have to go to harder places. And our home games, they're okay. They're still not as good as they could be. And I think we finally get a night game coming up this year, but it's against nobody. So they'll be fussing about that. But end of the era, starting next year, no divisions. That's the first. Got it. We've covered. Some of the others. One of, one of these is this. Let me make sure I hit the right button. This is a sound I'm kind of going to miss. I agree. Like think, thinking about as much as we, t- we talk about the Jacksonville situation, three – First of all, what is the time that you think of when you hear this sound? It's 3.30. 3.30. It's yes. the 3.30 kick on CBS. Yes. On those Saturdays, this comes to an end. We don't get to hear this anymore after this season, which is 
it's kind of a sad thing, maybe. And I think mainly just because I love, I've enjoyed the CBS, but there's so much biasy towards some teams that we've already talked about earlier that we're not going to continue to harp on that I'm not going to miss. But it's also ESPN, so we're about to have what's going to change. There's a lot that's going to change as far as you're used to this 330 kick. You're used to this so easily. You know the primetime spots. There's two of them. You're kicking off at 330. I don't I don't know that I've ever watched a CBS game at 12. No. That I can recall. And then the other primetime spot is either 7 or 8 o'clock, depending right. on what's, what side of the line that you're on. Right. So – that comes to an end. So all of those games is now ESPN. It'll, so, it'll be on so by ESPN. We don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to do them at three thirty? And don't the, know. okay, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is as far as that goes. Luckily, they have time, but that comes to an end this year. I'm well, not. I'm I not going to miss Gary Danielson. I'll say that. Well, I think before before CBS, which I don't know how long they've been covering the games. It seems like I remember a long time ago. And I don't know the channel. I just remember it being the Jefferson Pilot. It, Jefferson Pilot was were, what the games were. Really? Yeah, that might, that would have been. You're dating yourself, but that's okay. Cause probably, I no and I also am horrible about remembering certain things, which I've done showcased many times on this podcast when I cannot forget, cannot remember a single name of great Georgia fans. And it's then okay, I'm, I do. I walk out the door and go, wait a minute. Ray Goff. Man, 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 man. <laughs> um, but so I, you know, okay. Well, the, I do like. Um, I think I am going to miss that. I, I really didn't realize that hasn't registered with me. To, to, be, to be honest, to with me, you. it it is like I I immediately when I hear that sound, my mind goes to like a crisp October day, which doesn't happen often around here. It's usually morning time at. 7 a.m. till 7.15 before the sun really starts to come up. It you know, you get crest over the trees. That's right. You get the crisp October air from 7 to 7.15 yes. on that Saturday morning. You hear this sound. Georgia's playing Florida in Jacksonville yep. at 3.30. Yep. And you got to listen to Gary. Gary's yeah. Gary. I mean, I give him a lot of flack, but the dude is an Alabama homer if he ever wasn't anything yep. else. That's true, but he he really never bothered me a whole lot. There were times where he bothered me, but again, we can always you can find something to make you know, make, to make your argument. I, th- I think for me, I honed in on it so much because there was a game last year. I actually put a board up, and every time he said Alabama, I put a tally mark. And who who is this? Who is this color commentary that's with him? Brad uh, Nessler. Yes, it. So it's Gary and Brad. Brad, out of the entire game, said Alabama one time and referenced them once, and Gary did it like 18 times. Right. So when you hone in on thinking about why is somebody saying that's that's when it annoyed me. I got you. More than it was, you know, and, yeah, this is living free, rent-free in somebody's head, but that's because, again, we have the history and we're on the bad side of it when it comes to playing them. I mean, we talk about back-to-back national championships and how exciting that is, and – there are still Alabama fans who chirp about, yeah, but you're one and four against Nick Saban with Kirby Smart, and even though you have two national championships that are back to back. And it's like, guys, we're, we're I know, we can't, well, you just we can't, can't open the door. Because I was going to say, I'm not, I'm, we can do a whole show just on hating 
that and everything that surrounds and it. And you'd have to change the rating on this podcast with an E because I would not be able to hold my tongue. I'd have to start. I would, I would, I would string words together that would make Richard Pryor blush when it comes to Alabama fans. I'd have to start breaking this nah, out. I don't want to. Yeah. So I don't want to do that. We want to kind of keep it where anybody that can listen exactly. whenever they want to. So, so, so we lose CBS. I say we lose. It's, it's the end of that era. Okay. Then we have the SEC expansion, so we're no longer 14 teams. We're now 16. We already talked about divisions. Fun. They go away. We're all open to that, all exciting. And I think now it kind of hit me in the head thinking about when we go to that 16 teams. And I, I, I did talk about it a little bit. It is a good thing we're getting rid of divisions because if Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, LSU, Texas, Oklahoma, Auburn, Mississippi State, Kentucky, when they have their random tenure, if all of a sudden you have 10 teams who are very good in the SEC and all of a sudden you have, let's just say it happens, four teams that are 10-2 and two at the end of the year at the top of the SEC, and it's almost like a round-robin loss to each other, how, how do you choose that if there's divisions? Right. Now, it's still going to be hard when they have to do it head-to-head matchups because the the possibility of that happening, I think, is like winning the lottery probably when you do like the percentages of how would this happen so that's exciting but we have that expansion and then we go from the four team college football playoff format up to a 12 so that's another thing coming to an end and for a while now i've been like okay coming into the four team playoff it was like this is a change and we've adopted it when it's like okay it's good and there have been scenarios where i've looked at okay this would be a great opportunity to expand this a little bit i don't know if there's a number that i would be like no we need to do eight no we need to do 16 to me i don't think you need to spread it to 16 because again you are adding so many games to a schedule where these guys are already playing a lot if you're doing it for the safety of a player that's kind of tough well you'd have to eliminate what would it what to me it eliminates one out of conference game whether it's a cupcake whether it's a clemson it, it would probably eliminate two games and it would be your out of conference in in your quote unquote cupcake games which would trickle down and have major economic impact on those on the teams. smaller schools and we and you don't want to do that yeah. and so um yeah but anyway keep keep that, going i know that, you, I, you gotta, that right there though that that brings me to a thought though because this kind of goes back to the same somewhat of the same thing in the sec where it's like okay if i'm georgia and if I lose to Tennessee right here, I don't have to play in the SEC championship game. This gives me a bye, and I get to play three weeks down the road in the college football playoff. Now, if you look, if they were to take a game away from the schedule, let's just say they take two games out of the regular schedule, okay, and you play and you're winning and you one team gets the bye, okay, so they're not having to play an extra game. They've only played 10 games on the schedule. This other team, now they're having to play here. Now there's 11. Now they're having to play here. Now there's 12. And now they're just now catching up that team who had, has had a bye, and they're two games ahead. So the, I think there's a lot that they got to balance, you know. But I do think expanding to 12 will be – it's going to be interesting to see what happens because this is when you do have that battle of all of a sudden a team that's in 10th, they're not out of the running. I do think that makes it more exciting. And to me, it will also make some of these bowl games more exciting because we're not going to look at them as bowl games. They are just like I have never once like 
pondered deeply upon. We're playing in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and by the way, this is a semifinal football game. I've never looked at it like that. All, all I do is look at it. No, this is playoffs. we got to win this. I don't think of it as a bowl game, and that will do the same thing because they're going to fill those spots as bowl games, even though they're semifinal and, you know, final football games. So, Well, I, I, I'm glad that they're expanding it, but this is another area that I – you know, you, you listen to somebody and they go, well, it needs to be 12 teams. And you listen to what they say, and I'm driving along. And, well, it makes sense. Sounds yeah. good. Next guy, no, 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 you don't want 12. You want eight. And then he'll he'll explain why. You go, oh, he made some good points. No, 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 you want to have 16. Yeah. So I don't really have – I really have very little – I really don't have any opinion on, on that because I just don't get into the weeds on it. I'm, yeah, sorry, we, I'm sorry to be such a dud on it. No, but. no, no, you're not a dud. I'm just – we're kind of going through – through things that are ending in that four-team format, saying that we're going to 12, we're tripling it. it uh, and we don't know. We don't know. You can have as much information as you want. You can know exactly how these things are going to line up beforehand, and you will not know how effective it is. You will not know how successful it is until it happens. Right. And, and I, we're, we're still a ways from that. Yep. I, I do like the – I do like how they're, you know, those first week buys and the home games versus the uh, who has to travel – in the 12 teams, the very um, surface that I have seen, literally not reading into it too much, sounds great. Yeah. It's exciting, and it will also hopefully make certain groups and certain commentators, well, they'll always <laughs> be beating their drum about something, but just to – just put certain things to rest so we don't have to hear about it. It just, it just choose up. It's every selection. Oh my gosh. Okay. But this is what we're working with. Deal with it. Yeah. You know, it, there's something to be said. It's like everything else. Do your job, do it well. The rest will fall into place. You win your games, no matter where you have to go and you win them, you're going to be there. Yeah. Is everything perfect? No. But is it better than what we were doing? Yes. Now we're trying to get better with the 12 team. Hopefully that's the case. Yeah. And I think time will tell, as it always does. I think uh, being right now, being Georgia, being the top team in the country the past couple of years, I look at one thing that they have talked about that I've noticed is that team that gets a bye, <laughs> your, your play-in game that you would then play after the two teams play one another before you is like at another venue. So, for example, let's just say it's the it's the Peach Bowl that's waiting, or uh, yeah, and Georgia. Then you're still playing in Georgia, but you're playing and you're waiting in Atlanta, or let's just say a, a Tennessee and a, and a Clemson who are playing in the Orange Bowl, and they're playing at Clemson. You know, so you're having that game there. Clemson gets to be a host. It's really neat, and then Georgia doesn't get to host anybody at a, at in Athens, you know, that's one more game that I think could benefit from that. Whereas Clemson, they're going to get revenue from a really big game, especially being a semifinal game. It does make me wonder, maybe they change things, maybe they don't. I know you have certain venues that these games are supposed to happen at, and that's part of it. I understand that. But I look at maybe like college softball, college baseball. I don't know how they do it in basketball and all, but there's regions. So like you have four teams that show up to a region and – you're playing in that region 
it would be cool to me, like if if one of those games, let's just say Georgia's the number one team in the country, they get the bye, but it's a Athens region, not tournament, but start to the playoff. So let's just say you had Georgia, they get the bye the first game. But there's, and this sounds kind of crazy now that I think about it, saying it out loud, but if you had like Tennessee and Clemson playing in Athens, they're playing each other, and the winner of that has to play in Athens after it against Georgia. But, again, as I said it out loud, I started to realize it's like, I don't know that you're going to get much turnaround of people wanting to come to Athens to watch these teams True. play. True. So that's that's why I do think maybe the home field advantage for that's cool. But I guess being at the top, it makes me go, man, it would be cool if – Georgia, if they got the bye, if they got to play at home in Athens one more time in a serious playoff game. Um, but, I mean, down the road, who knows, in a couple of years, if, we, if we're not just sitting right at the top and we're sitting in one of those spots where we get to host, then I would change my mind. I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is cool. It's, it's cool to get to play. So that's not really a big argument. But that's the last thing coming to an end. Now, okay. we're going to try to do this kind of quickly. I'm not going to say it's going to be very quick, but we'll just see. Um it may not be very quick at all. I put this on our list to do, and unless you want to save it, I want to do our top five all-time Georgia quarterbacks. Okay. And we can kind of go back and forth. Or you can drop – I'll let you drop all five of yours. And you can start with five and go to one. Or you can start at one and go to five. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I don't have a particular so, order. And here's here's the thing is that um, I have five names – but there's more likely there's probably names that I'm 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 certainly forgetting, and and here's the bad part is what's the criteria? What so makes so this is what I was thinking about because when I look at my list as I was doing it, I kept everything in the 2000s, and you don't have to do that because there are certainly quarterbacks that were previous to that in the 80s and in the 90s that are great quarterbacks as well that should be considered. For me. So the criteria is wide open. It's whatever you want it to be. If you want to, well, what I mean by is some, some, some people go, well, if you win a national championship, I agree. Then okay, this is all right, so, so that wipes off Buck Ballou. Exactly. And so let me let me help with it a little bit because I thought of Buck Ballou too, and I was like, great quarterback should definitely be considered. This is your top five. It is not who we think okay. the top five quarterbacks are at the University of Georgia. It is your opinion on who you think the top five quarterbacks are. At Georgia. Well, because I, for me, I'm not going all, all the way back to the, the Frank guy of the 1959 national champions. I can't even think of his last name. That was Didn't he win a Heisman too? No. Oh, here no, we go. Here we go. God, hold on. God. See, look at you. you you're, I told you the references are not always great, but I can't. I can't go back to those times and look and say, okay. this is one of the best quarterbacks at Georgia because I just don't have – the wherewithal to know everything about a guy who played in the 40s n- yes it was nearly frank, it was frank Sinkwich. nearly 100 years ago yeah he won the national title and he won the heisman yeah yeah well that see that makes it difficult because I, on my list i have fran tarkington well you put him on there and and the reason being is is that you can look back and he was probably one of the first yeah. that was a scrambling quarterback if you can envision um, Archie Manning, when he was at Ole Miss and in the pros, I, I know that's still old, but I mean, you've got the 30 for 30, yeah. and it's got plenty of stuff about him, the way he could scramble. Fran Tarkington did that. And he's is he from like 60? He's from a while back, too. No, he's he? not in the 60s. He was, he would, he would, Fran would have been in the, he'd have been in the 50s. Okay. 
I'm so not. he's probably like late fifties. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I, I. I wish I could remember exactly, but I. I, I can't. You got to give me a break. I'm gonna say 1957. Well, I. I don't see. That's the one thing is I don't know. That's yeah, one that's, thing. That's probably right because, um, my me, you know, my buddy Coach Orgel, you know, he played and the you know they won uh, SEC championship that year. So I think Fran might have been on that team. He was on that team, and so was Pat Dye. Yeah. So I but, think I think about. I don't have like all the history deep into it like that. I can remember some history, and I know some history about Georgia. That's more modern. Yeah, I know. And and I think that's just. Part of it's just a, a – Well, it's a, very similar to when people ask, who's the the Mount Rushmore of Georgia football players? And you ask these young people, and they're like, um, Brock Bowers, <laughs> uh, Stetson Bennett, you know, and, and – Nick it, Chubb <laughs> and Todd Gurley, come on. Yeah, you know, which there's a lot of them that have – but anyway, so I'm just going to um, – who, who I come up with is my other – is Eric Zire. And then um, I have to put David Green on there because at one time he was the winningest college quarterback until the kid from McCoy from Texas beat that. And I'm sure it's been beaten since then because they keep adding games. Aaron Murray. And, you know, I I don't know what it is, but I I had to put Stetson on my – I had to put – You don't have to say I don't know what it is. I mean, he is – one of the start of his career is not something to look at and diminish the finishing and the ending of his career at well, the University it, of Georgia because it, it was a big difference. What it is is that I think that his um, the knock was his his the tangibles. He didn't have the height. He didn't have this, but it was the intangibles. He's very athletic. Oh. The the scramble against Tennessee for a touchdown. There's a lot of them, but I mean, it, the heart and the, the drive, that the, he had the dead leg that he did against Mississippi state. And he could also certainly make the passes and the difference between his, you know, so I can't believe we're sitting here. I'm about to say this sentence and I can't say it without grinning. The difference between his first national championship season yeah. into his second national championship season. I mean, the kid, the guy put in a lot of work, his body changed a pretty good bit. Learned. And, you know, he, he could, you know, people knocked on him for his passes, but if you watch back, you know, yeah, he's not Bryce Young. But guess what? Bryce Young is not on every street corner. Yeah. There's not a Peyton Manning rolling around all the time, you know, which Peyton Manning was such a great quarterback. But, you know, when he would throw the ball, nobody was like, boy, look at the zip he puts on it. Yeah. Yeah. He just was so smart and so prepared and so good, you know, uh, and see, when I say these this list, well, where do I put Stafford? Yeah. See, Stafford would be on my list. So, Dad Gum, you and these, Pen- these pinching these it five. to a tiny like because I could say ten, and you could fill it up like that. You could fill it up like that, but you would feel good about ten. But if I say five, it's like okay, who, I have who, to pinch a couple of guys. Who am I gonna? Who am I gonna? You know. And you can give an honorable mention. I'll let you give an honorable. Well, I, I mean, it would it would have to be Stafford. Stafford but, yeah. but see, for me, speaking I, of zip on the ball, exactly. But see, for me, oh gosh, I hate that statement. For me, <laughs> but I, I will not. I will not just leave Fran Tarkington off. Yeah. I won't. 
Um, and I won't leave off Eric Zire. That was a huge yeah. deal when he came back. I remember, and his name is all up and down record books at, at Georgia. Okay. Um, didn't Dave, wanna, you didn't want to put uh, Mike Bobo there as a no, I didn't. Even mention. though I, I saw <laughs> saw him beat Auburn and you know the eighteen overtime game and Auburn that that was fun. It, David Green to me. He, is a catalyst for a big change at the University of Georgia. I mean, he had competition from DJ Shockley, who is a very good quarterback, a very athletic guy, and he kind of, in a, in a way, kind of fended him off all those yeah. years. But we had, you know, those teams and those guys kind of broke the glass ceiling and, and raised the level in Athens, and, and what, as Kirby has done. Yeah, with, with ever since ever since then and Aaron Murray is is one of those guys he he was very very good um and but his you know when you look back again his name is all up and down on those record books so it's like well how do you bump a guy like that and yeah. then it comes down to Stetson the proof's in the pudding you know he's got two rings exactly and so uh, you know I have like sentimental favorites of, of people that, you know, you would never heard of, but it's just because he's from Camilla is James Jackson. I remember when he played in the mid to late eighties, he was probably the first to get the moniker, the thriller from Camilla, you know? <laughs> um, and I don't know if his names are on any of the record books. Heck Quincy Carter's name is in some of the rec on some of those records, I think. And I wouldn't put him up as a, t- Big time, yeah. you know, he was a good quarterback, but, you know, one of the greatest? No. Yeah. That, that's – I know why you're doing the five. I get it. And we're just totally dismissing the 70s. There's very there's no representation yeah. basically in the 60s and the 70s or really the 80s on my list. But that's just me, and I guess my honorable mention would have to be Stafford. Um, it's funny how it'll it'll date both of us. One for you, kind of the. Well, you're, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go. You're going to go Stetson Bennett, and then you're going to go. You're going to talk about Stafford, um, Murray, um, Fromm, <laughs> and David Green. You're basically going from 2000 it's, to 2022. Listen, I told you we're keeping it. In the in the in the two thousands for me because all right you sound like you've listed see I mine's in no particular order yeah so I li- so. I listed them in an order and thinking about the way that you said it is probably the safe way is like let me let me give you five but I'm not putting it in an order because if I put it in an order then I'm like clung to that and people can say how do you put him at first instead of second yeah. or or so but I did I decided and I didn't really put like a large amount of value in where they're placed, but bring it. Some of it I did. So start it. I'm just going to start at the top. And by the way, what kind of, you, you made me start off with my list. That's pretty rough. I know, man. Guest, man. You, you get, you get the, the honor of starting us off here, which I guess I could have started it, but then, you know, I might've swayed you a little bit, but who, who am I kidding? I'm not swaying you anyway, because again, we're starting in like 2000. And moving on to now. So, I would shock you that my first is not Stetson Bennett. My first, to me, again, this is opinion-based, is Aaron Murray. And it's just because 
the records that he set at Georgia. By the way, a guy who was not coming to Georgia at first. Where was he supposed to go? He was going to Florida. Florida, that's right. He was not coming to Georgia. For him to decide to come to Georgia and have as much success that he had was awesome. I mean, I hate it for him that 2013 season after the way 2012 ended the SEC championship against the team that we shall not name here. But, I mean, he was so good. Like, he was the arm talent that we hadn't seen at Georgia. Right. In a while. And I'm not going to say in a long while because Stafford was right before him, essentially. We had those couple of years there. Who was the guy? Not Grayson Lambert. What was yeah, the guy? That, was that him? Well, we had – I should have put him on the list. I, well, if you had Mason put, Hudson. It, well, Mason had a pretty – had it was, was Moments. not bad. Moments. But if you had put um, the Joe – golly, the Joe, Joe Cox. Joe Cox <laughs> and Grayson Lambert on your yeah. list. Now, I Grayson Lambert and, against get up and walk South Carolina. Grayson Lambert was great for one Saturday against South Carolina. I don't Carolina. care. I don't care. That was yeah. it. He can't play. A, if he cannot play at the University of Virginia and then be the hey, starter in Georgia. Enough. Move. I will, move. I will give you. You're going to laugh when uh, I give you the gosh. honorable mention okay. coming up here in a minute. So, first, Aaron Murray. Got Second, it. I have to give it to Stetson Bennett. Gotcha. Again, start of his career, not necessarily the greatest. Even this first national championship season, there were times where we're like, what are you doing? Yep. Yep. And then he comes back. There's so yep. much fuss about, oh, he's coming back. And look what he does. He leads you to another one. Unbelievable. And to me, if you take Stetson Bennett out of that equation, I don't know that Georgia wins it because Carson Beck, all the guys who are behind him, they don't have that same experience. Granted, you know, last year we have JT Daniels that's there, and he's the guy who is shining the the night yeah. shining armor that we all think we're going to rely on, and it turns out to be Stetson. <sighs> Yeah. But I would say that same thing just like with uh, Bryce Young. Alabama doesn't – they lose four games last year if he's not their quarterback. I agree. I don't okay. know that – Georgia, I don't think, beats Missouri last year if you don't have Stetson Bennett. And he didn't necessarily produce that much. So, anyway, gotcha. back to my list. Fair so, enough. Aaron Murray first for my own reasons. Stetson Bennett second. Yep. Matthew Stafford third. Okay. Again, zip. That was the true start to me paying attention – like deeply into what Georgia's doing every single Saturday. Fair enough. That's where Matthew Stafford, no Sean Marino, uh, Brandon, what, Brandon Boykin, who, who are the guys, Bakari Rambo, those guys, even offense, defense, everything. Those are the guys where I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Because you got to think, I, I grew up in the state of Alabama. My dad's an Auburn fan. So I'm not watching much Georgia unless I'm hanging out like with my granddad, who is a Georgia fan and a Braves fan. Thank God somebody was there to save me, right? <laughs> so I'm paying attention to what's going on in Auburn and wondering why I care. And then I see Georgia, and I'm like, ah, oh, now I understand why. Gotcha. Okay. This is what I'm supposed to be paying attention to. So these are the guys that I'm growing up on Fair. and watching. And I'm like, dude, Stafford, the, the arm and the passion that the dude still, by the way, up until him – I guess he just retired after winning the Super Bowl, didn't he? What are you talking about? He's still on the team. I thought I thought he was like quitting, oh being gosh. done with He's all. On the- your list, and in- no, listen to me now. Uh, you got to think. There's everybody's retiring right now. Like. I don't know how Aaron Rodgers is still playing football, but Tom Brady, he's gone. He's, he's unbelievable. All of these other guys, they're they're leaving, and um, I I just assumed like Stafford's like a Super Bowl. I'm done with this. No, but I. I- it was all, he hurt it, last year? Because yes. he didn't he, play. He's, he's really he, at all. Uh, I don't know about that, but I know that he's. I think he's got some pretty se- severe neck or 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 back stuff from playing the 
playing the game. I it, I don't think it's much longer for he does hang. To, to me, I'd much rather these guys hang it up earlier than too late because it's. I understand. I I can imagine how difficult it is, but my gosh, your quality of life. Yeah, it but goes anyway. it goes downhill quickly. All right, so Aaron Murray, Stetson Bennett, Matthew Stafford, David Green in the yeah. four spot again. He's fighting against DJ Shockley the entire time. Keeps yeah. it. Is a great quarterback, great football player. And then right behind him, I put DJ Shockley, even though it was one season worth, essentially. Right. Dude, okay. But but he's learning. He's growing right behind. And you thought I was going to have Jake Fromm or somebody in there. <laughs> he, he, I'll have JT Daniels in there for, for a season. But he's fighting right behind Jacob him. Eason. Oh, my goodness. I forgot about Eason. Let me put him back on there. Honorable mention for the fourth quarter of the Tennessee game until the – anyway. So – Who's your honorable That's mention? my top five. So, this is the funny part of it because it's not a full repertoire of his career at Georgia. It is simply one season, somewhat similar to DJ Shockley, I guess, but it is Jake Fromm for the 2017 season. <laughs> and it's because, it's because of how magical that year – because that was truly – I mean, you th- think about it. We fire Mark Rick 2015. 2016, we hire – Kirby, we go eight and five, and next thing you know, we're making a run at this thing for the first time since Stafford's mm-hmm. there in 07. Mm-hmm. We're all of a sudden making a run. Well, I, I should give credit to Aaron Murray too in that 2012 season, but we're making a run at it, and we have a freshman who is leading the charge behind you just said it, Jacob Eason, who gets hurt and he's out. So it's like, holy cow. We got to take advantage of this, right? And to me, honorable mention only for that season because that was a great season. From there, he never put up the same stuff. That's why I can't give him like an actual rating and ranking because his 2017 season is all I can rank him off of because it just didn't get much better from there. He had a great freshman season and he probably improved slightly, but the honorable mention is not for his overall. The honorable mention is for. That year. That 2017 season. Because he was a freshman, too. He's a dude that comes out of Houston County right up the road in Warner Robins and is now leading Georgia behind a guy who – where did Easton come from? He's he's from the state of Washington. Washington. Okay, because that's where he ended up at. He's got a guy that come across the country and just so happens to buckle his knee in week one, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, dude, you got to take over for this. Okay. So it's all not right. it's not that bad. It's not. It's not. I – so you're, you're thinking, again, you, you said what you thought. It's going to be Stetson, Jake Fromm. We might put Matthew Stafford in there. Give me Grayson Lambert, Joe Cox, <laughs> Mason Hudson. I, I feel I feel bad that there's, there's – there's, I don't – I shouldn't say I feel bad, but, you know, um, thinking about other er, eras of quarterbacks that were missing – and there are some. I mean, I know that. So, I mean, we we just talked about it a little bit there. There was Mike Bobo, obviously, uh, Frank Tarkin that you talked about. Let's just see if we can look a couple up here. I love how Jake Fromm's one that shows up on this. Stafford. Who did you say? Did you say John Ross? No, I did not. He's one that they consider one. Zeke Predatowski. Pret- how do you say his name? How to say it? I don't. It seems like it's probably a guy from the 30s. And that's partially part of it, too, because it's a different game of football when you're playing in the 40s as opposed to 
2007, or what have you, 1953. He held the NCAA record for most career yards and in, in passing yards in a career. But again, this is this is in the 50s, early 50s, a number that has been well surpassed by now. Was he a great quarterback then? Yes, but it doesn't compare to the guys that you can put in front of him and 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 beyond that. You got Eric Zire that you put, DJ Shockley, Mike Bobo. There's just a few that they named here too as others. And then you get the Staffords. You get – it's still weird. <laughs> I've looked at a list, a couple of lists, like some others, because you, you kind of want to get an idea, but I also like to look at some of the stats. Championships is a big one as well. How – I was reading one list that, no joke, they had Jake from like third. And I was like, all right, there, there's some good quarterbacks. And, again, I'm not – harping on and I'm not fussing about yep. Jake Fromm but again he's an honorable mention on mine for one season worth of his career not for being a Georgia for three years I got it I got, uh, yeah okay so it wasn't as bad as you thought no 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 I, I mean it's 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 that's pretty tough but um I, I couldn't leave out DJ Green or DJ Green. Yeah, there we go. DJ Green there you go yeah, both of them put them both together I couldn't leave out D- David or DJ um, because again, I think if we're talking about from 2000 and beyond, those are I don't know I don't know that you can add another name in there. That would I mean that really covers every. <laughs> Have you ever tried like to do a years. Mount Rushmore of of Georgia players? Yes. That's, because I'm I'm the one that'd be over here put Stetson Bennett on there. <laughs> no, but I would do like if I tried to do because well, that's four. First, we're first talking off, about we're talking about off, taking. Let's, let's say this real quick. If you have to do a Mount Rushmore of Georgia players, you only get four choices that's, because that's the hard part. Because we're not just talking commercial. about my it's sample a, size right here from 2000 to 2023. That's 23 years worth of football. 22 really, because this year hadn't happened. That's 22 years of football that I, we just compiled five quarterbacks into for my list at least. That was fairly simple. But now you're talking about those are that that that's a quarterback. That's a position that only one person is playing. Now all of a sudden you're adding in tight ends, linemen. I don't know of really too many people. Jordan Davis maybe somebody that you could put on there if you're like a. But to me, Richard you have to be Seymour, <laughs> Marcus Stroud. You have to be a Bill you, Goldberg. You you have to be a lineman to want to put a lineman on your Mount Rushmore because those are the guys you look up to. Those are the guys that you. What would you consider David Pollock? Linebacker. But I still I don't know that I would put David Pollock on there either. On your Mount Rushmore, you got four guys over all of your expansive history at the University of Georgia. All right, all right. Let me all right. Let me let me throw a caveat in there. If you tried to make a Mount Rushmore including coaches, well, now you, is there room for David Pollock? It, well, it, it um no, that's that's tough. I mean. I, because you had I would immediately, have a, immediately, if you had players and coaches, I mean, you, you got to put Dooley on there. You have to put Rick for what he did and Smart for what he's doing now. You don't even have room for another player. Herschel Walker, there's your four right there. Boom, we're yeah, done. Well, <laughs> I, I, I take, I take a, um, issue with one or two of those possibly, one if in particular, but. Um, it, it's it's it, it's just it's fun. It's fun to think about. 
It, so, it, and it's very, very difficult. I've, I've tried to do say, it. So we'll save this for next time. Oh, just yeah, trying to create you, you, a Mount Rushmore. This it, will give you time. We've got like a month. We really need to do a Mount Rushmore and then a, another monument that we can combine. So we have to pick like seven people. <laughs> All right. We get a Mount Rushmore and three honorable mentions. That's what you do. You just, uh, anytime that you only get a select amount so of choices, you just have, yeah, you have, uh, <laughs> by the way, listen, here's my Mount Rushmore. I got four guys and I got 17 other guys that are getting honorable mentions yes. at the end of it. Really? And you don't leave anybody out. But um, I, th- I think that's fair. I think that's a good one to save uh, for next time. And we're going to try to do it at, later next month, which is really about the same time in a yeah. month. You know, we get to the end of July because once we get to August, you know, fall camp and everything's kicking in and, we're only a month from football at that point, which is kind of hard to think of. That so is. we're going to save – we'll save the Mount Rushmore. I'm okay. going to put it in my notes. All right. For that for that and one. I think you already had some other notes. Yeah. Got some, some others. That's that that's going to be where we start talking about actually what's coming into the season. Like uh, we've got standout players talking about our quarterbacks coming into this year because we have so many good ones. It's funny – and I'll try to save as much of this as I can. It's been kind of nice. Like last year, Stetson Bennett coming back was controversy. But when we all were like, okay, he's coming back, you can't change anything. You know, do you want him to ride off into the sunset? Yes, but he didn't. He's back. There's no quarterback conversation to be had. There's no controversy at all. You know who your quarterback is because JT Daniels left. Stetson's here. There were still some people that talked about Carson Beck. Oh, he can still start over him. We didn't worry about that because it was Stetson Bennett's job to lose, not to gain. He had already had it, but he had to lose it for that to become a conversation. And this year, I don't know that we necessarily have much of a – I'm not going to say there's not a competition, but we all pretty well know who's going to be the quarterback this year. But it's still a conversation that gets to be had because past couple of years we hadn't really had to worry about it as much, or last year at least. Yeah, true. Okay, And having, good. having a year off of having to talk about Georgia quarterbacks is – Shocking. Like, take it back to 2013. Feels like the last time we didn't have to have a conversation about Georgia fo- football quarterbacks. Well, I, I mean, like, like last year where we didn't have to talk about it because we knew it's Stetson. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, even though That's people what I were mean. like, oh, well, yeah, even myself, I, I kind of. Because every year before last year, it's talking about who's going to be the quarterback. Of is it going to be Jamie Newman? Oh, it's Dewan Mathis because he left. It's Stetson Bennett. No, JT Daniels is here. It's JT Daniels. Is it Easton? I don't know. Easton was hurt last year, or Easton was hurt last year. We got Jake Fromm. It's got to be Jake Fromm. Oh, but can Easton come back? Every year it's that conversation until last year because Stetson came back, so True. there wasn't that conversation. Well, now he's gone, unless he magically shows back up and we have all of a sudden we've got a Betson Stennett that's here and he wants to, <laughs> right, play. He right. wants, he wants to play with us. So um, I think that's going to wrap us up until, mm-hmm. until next time, the next time that we talk. We're going to be like a month away from football season. And by the way, you know, just because it might be worth for the next time is I, I know I've told you, but I need to share my Kirby Smart story that my buddy. Do you want to share it now? The, the Tennessee fan. He's He is the only flaw in the slaw of my group of friends, but he is the one Tennessee fan that I've got that I can have a conversation with. So tell me, do you want do you want to put it on this or do you want to save it? No, because I, I I see that you're looking at your clock and you're probably getting all antsy. I'm good. That we're they don't they don't listen past fifty two minutes. No, I'm not worried about that. I I'm more worried about you. Your your time is valuable and it's important. It is true. And it's I your birthday. 
I'm a big get. I, I'm surprised that you could I want, I want to, what I asked for. I want to make sure, by the way, your rider is downstairs. I got, I got you some chips and uh, some sandals and uh, some sunscreen. And only orange Reese's Pieces. I don't, I don't eat yellow and brown Reese's Pieces. It's just the orange ones. <laughs> All right, may, so real quickly, I did get a call from a friend of mine who is a special ed teacher in North Georgia. And he said, out of the blue, helicopter lands at his high school. And he looks out, he sees his Kirby. And he said, obviously, the school officials, this is public school, uh, all the school officials, they are all surrounding him. They all want a piece of him. And he's looking at, obviously, a kid that goes to his this high school. And he said, you know, I thought, you know, if I could meet him, okay, cool. But, again, he's a Tennessee fan, so he said, I'm not chasing any grown man. You know, he always had He got to throw something to dig in. Well, he's got these, I think they're twins that are special ed kids. One's a diehard Georgia fan and one's a diehard Alabama fan. And he said that for them to leave to get back out to the chopper, he heard Kirby tell him, he's like, I got to be out of here by, let's say, 12, 15, you know. <clears throat> but to, to leave, they had to walk by his room. And so he said that he knew that was my opportunity. If I was going to speak to him, it was when he was headed out and I would just walk out of my, my classroom and it would just be the two of us, he and I, face to face. So he said, I'm looking at the little window, and here he comes, a whole entourage of the, he's like, my, you know, my, my superintendent, my principal, my this, my that, all these people from the school. And he said, I walk out casually, and he said, sure enough, I'm face-to-face with Kirby. And he said, all, and when he stopped, he said, <laughs> he said, all those school officials, he said, they just about ran him over because they were just following him like a puppy dog. And, and he looks at me, he said, hey, coach, how you doing? And he, I'm good, how are you? And he said, coach, he said, I got, I got two special ed kids that would sure would, it'd mean a lot if you wouldn't mind speaking to them. Now, he said, Kirby is already behind. And he said, I know, he said, I've got to be out of here. And Kirby said, absolutely. And he said, he, he made everybody stay out in the hallway. And it was just my buddy, Joey. Kirby and these two kids. And he said, he sat down, you know, he said they were both in awe of him. And he said, sure enough, one of them, he said, every day, one of them, they wear their Georgia shirt or sweatshirt, Alabama shirt, sweatshirt, whatever it is. And he said, he sat down there and he probably spent six or seven minutes when he did not have 10 seconds available, but he spent, and he said, he, he said, look, I, I don't have anything about against Kirby except that I'm a Tennessee fan. Um, and he said, I cannot tell you how impressed I was. And he said, he's obviously a great coach. I just have to give him that. And he said, but he, he, he's a good dude. That was what Joey said. That was his exact, he's a good dude. He said, he, you know, with the Georgia kid, he was having fun with him. And he said that, that Alabama kid, he said, he kind of leaned over and whispered to him. He's like, roll tide. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And, 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 you know, I think that's fantastic. I mean, obviously, 
Kirby's got a lot of history and a lot of memories. And obviously, you know, what he what it did for his career being with Nick Saban and at Alabama. But it, it really he said he, my buddy Joey told me, he said it it left such an impression with those two kids. Yeah. And he said he made sure you know, you hear people like, don't meet your heroes because you're going to be disappointed. He said this, and he said he made those kids. He said they will never forget that. And that's awesome. And, uh, and, and I think the fact that they were special ed kids um, probably makes it a little more sentimental and a little more special. Um, and so, anyway, it was kind of fun hearing that. And the way Joey, you know, <laughs> the way he tells it, he, he's so dadgum funny to begin with. But anyway, he gave a lot of props to our to our coach, and I, uh, you know, I I clearly do not like uh, what's his name at Texas A and M, old Jimbo, <laughs> old Jimbo. I don't see Jimbo doing that. I know Jimbo's got a son that's got a kind of a immune disorder or something like that, and he does some good things for them. But uh, I don't know. I hate to I hate to throw him under the bus, but I just don't see a guy like Jimbo doing something like that. Yeah, and I'm I'm proud to hear that that uh, that that Kirby was able to do that. Yeah, so. it's, it's it's awesome to hear a, a story like that, but it's also to know that that that's the guy who is leading your football team. We hear the you know some of the stuff that happens in the locker room, the football talk where. He's fired up. I mean, he's a passionate dude when it comes to football, but to also be humble enough to take time out of your day that you don't have because we know how heavy of a recruiter that he is, and I'm sure that's what he was doing in the time, how much it means to him for him to take two minutes out of his day to say hey to a couple of kids that is going to change maybe not their life, but they will never forget it. Well, he, you know. as, as he said, he said, if he had just come in the room and be like, hey, guys, how's yeah. it going? And, you know, and it was a – he said, that would have been fantastic. He said, but – he said, even though I'm telling you six or seven minutes, he said, it, 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 it wasn't just a, hey, how you doing? He was asking them questions, and they were answering yeah, them. Interacting with them. Yes, it was, it was more than, you know – a surface conversation. And he said, even if he had done that, that would have been great. And he said, make no mistake. There were people looking in there, but he made dang sure there was nobody else in there. It was just the four of them. And, and those are the kind of things that unless you have special information or privilege, just because I happen to know this guy, you would never know this story. Um, and and anyway, I just, I, I, I loved hearing it. Listen, even if it was the opposite, you got to give people a mulligan. You know, everybody's going to have a bad moment. But when you hear about those good moments, it's nice to the fact that it's not public. It's like this. It's almost like this little tiny gift that you have of like push comes to shove. This is what this guy is like. And I, it's nice knowing that. Yeah. So it's, it's such a good thing to end on. And I think it also speaks volume to like the, the program bringing it in and full circle back to Georgia, how the culture that he has set at Georgia and why guys want to come and play for him. Right. I think in the same way he takes time out of his day to go and see 
these players he's recruiting face to face. He's not sending somebody to go see him. And it may be for six or seven minutes, but he takes that time to come and see you. And in the time that he's doing that, he's also changing other people just like that. That's a Tennessee fan who does, he doesn't care about Georgia. He wants Georgia to lose. He wants them to go 0 and 12 even after meeting him. But meeting somebody like that and all of a sudden it puts in perspective. It's like, no, that's what this he, dude may be a coach, but he's also he's also a man. That's what he said. He said he's just a good dude. Yeah. You know, he said that's his, awesome. his record as a coach speaks for itself. He said, but he's a good dude. And I heard about, you know, the, the Atlanta Journal, you know, they just absolutely, they have been writing, you know, Coach Smart about some of the stuff. It's like the, these kids are 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're going to do what they're going to do. And, and they act like, you know, the program is completely and totally out of control. And I don't know. It, it that that's bothersome for a lot of reasons, and I'm certainly not going to get into it. And I have a, I have strong reactions to the AJC and and those people that do that kind of stuff, but it far exceeds the the, the guy's a good, he's a good guy. He's not running a program that's quote unquote out of control. Yeah, there you can have a handle on every single one of your kids that's in your own household, and mistakes are going to have, and that's what, that's how you learn in life. Do you learn things the hard way? Absolutely. I have learned many, a many a thing the hard way in my life. And it sucked the repercussions that came from it. It sucked the pain that you went through in learning those things. But sometimes it happens. It's not like you're not out there parenting him. You're not out there coaching them. You're not out there teaching them. You can teach somebody just as much as you want. We had a baseball coach growing up that said this, and I'll kind of try to wrap up here. He said, I can want you to win as much as I want, but I can't do it for you. Right. You have to go out there and do it. And in the same way, I can teach you the right way all day. doesn't mean that you're going to go and necessarily make the right decisions all day, every day. People well, make mistakes. You learn from them. It's, it's the same in coaching. All week, you can teach a kid here, if you see this, don't don't bite on this fake or whatever it is cut the inside man, whatever it is, they coach you. And then it comes down to the game time and he makes a bad decision. Well, what people want is they want, put that kid on the bench. Yeah. And if you can't get rid of the coach, and it's like, no, the coach is telling them, but you're still dealing with a brain that is yeah. evolving and growing and maturing. So yeah, you, ha- you anyway. have to learn, you have to learn That's the big picture stuff. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, I'm yeah, excited. Thank you again, buddy. Oh yeah. I'm excited again for next month where we, uh, we kind of bring it, all full circle and we start talking about the beginning of the season again can't wait hard to believe that we're almost there so we'll check in with you guys later on make sure you guys follow us on twitter at dog talk 20 instagram all of the fun stuff there and we'll check in with you guys shortly go dogs